Well, we had a week filled with riveting testimony and impassioned arguments. And Jennifer Crumbly's fate now lies in the hands of the jury. Joining us on the JR Morning Live line is Tressa Baldus. She is a reporter for the Detroit News, and she's been watching this very, very closely all through this uh, last two weeks. Uh, welcome back to JR Morning, Teresa. Uh, thank you. And and just a quick correction. I work for the Detroit Free Press, not the Detroit News. <laughs> well, we, you know, the Don, we did, we, we did that before. Yes, so, big yeah, difference. Big difference. My, <laughs> I'm Teresa, my bad. I am so sorry. Listen, talk about... Talk, talk about some of the uh, key moments uh, of the past week and the implications that they hold for the outcome of this trial. We were just talking. We were, we were surprised that the judge uh, allowed the, the jury to go home. Uh, well, the, the, the it, closing arguments ended late Friday, so there was no way she was going to keep them there. To, to you know, you got to give jury instructions as well as well still today, which takes some time. So when closing arguments wrapped up on on Friday by 4:30, uh, you know it's it's natural they're going to go home. They're not going to keep them there for 15 minutes. You wouldn't sequester them somewhere. Uh, I, I I don't. She hasn't sequestered them so far. So I I I don't. Um, you know, if we find out today, she's going to sequester them. So far, she has indicated she will not. Okay. But 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 we'll see. But. Um, would you like some moments from last week? I can, I can yes. uh, fill everybody in on what happened. I, I think the most interesting thing probably that happened, obviously, is Jennifer Crumbly herself took the stand and um, sort of gave uh, her version of events uh, of what happened. You know, it's up to the jury uh, whether they believe her or not. Um, but some of the key things that she did to sort of try and put a different picture out there of, of who they are is, uh, you know, she showed a side of the family that no one has uh, seen before that this was somewhat of a normal family that did things together. They, you know, she was, uh, you know, the trips and his extracurricular activities and it showed a, a normal family life. She did get up and say, listen, uh, I, you know, I had never seen anything that would indicate to me that my son needed mental health treatment. At most, what we saw was that he was an anxious kid. He had anxiety and I uh, was anxious about his future. He was anxious about, you know, what was going to, about his grades. But she never saw anything that rose to the level of him needing uh, therapy. And as for the text, the alarming text that we always heard about, you know, mm -hmm. I'm hearing demons in the house and so forth. She said, listen, that, that was just a, a game between him and, and my husband. He was always, you know, convinced the house was haunted. They used to make videos of themselves with ghosts. We had two house ghosts named uh, Violet and Boris, and so she wrote it off as he was just messing with us, and that's why they didn't take that seriously. So, so that's that's uh, from her side. Also, um, I think in a pivotal moment, her lawyer asked her a question: "If you could do anything differently, would you?" And and she said, "No, I wouldn't." And I think that's going to resonate with the jurors because, you know, in hindsight, looking back at all this, you know, you wouldn't do anything differently. But then she did add, "You know, I wish you would have killed us instead." So, you know, they, they saw a little complicated uh, person uh, up there on the stand. Mm -hmm. uh, but the pro go ahead. You have a question? No. Uh, I right. do. I'll go. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> My question is about the closing arguments and how you felt both attorneys did. I, I thought Karen McDonald was very thorough in her uh, slides and how she believes they've met their proof. Right, right. She, she was actually, I, you know, um, I thought the most powerful thing that Karen did, and, and she, of course she gets the final word because they have the burden of proof here, um, when she said, 
remember, you know, ladies and gentlemen, what she said. She said she wouldn't do anything differently. And, you know, she talked about the little things that she could have done to save the lives of four children, but didn't do them. And and I, I think you know that that's going to resonate with readers. Uh, I'm sorry, with readers. I'm so I'm so used to that with with the jury. <laughs> um, we we hope the jurors aren't reading you. Just for the record, <laughs> right? No, I just, no, 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 Karen. Karen, you know she she was passionate. She, uh, you know, she laid out what she thought was was uh, uh, a strong case. You know, and in the end, though, you know, when, when she said, you know, ladies and gentlemen, the last time you know, he used that gun. He was with his mom at a shooting range, um, practicing, target practicing to kill kids. And she was the last one with them. You know, that seems a little disingenuous. The mom went to the shooting range with him that day yeah. because he typically goes to the shooting range with his dad. He said, mom, do you want to go? And she thought this is a great mom and dad or, you know, mother son experience. She didn't go there that day as the defense argued to teach her son how to kill kids. You know, yeah. and, and I think that's that's a big thing we have to remember here is, you know, how much did they know? And was there any reasonable uh, foreseeability here that that this kid would do that? But, you and, know, Tracy, one of the things, though, that really didn't ring true with me was her interpretation <laughs> of that art. The gun dripping blood, the body on the floor. My the, these thoughts won't stop. And her interpretation was, well, she he was being defiant over doing his math homework. How do you ignore that? And not interpret it as a cry for help and say, right. good God, that's the very gun we have at home. Right. Well, I mean, when you look at it, I mean, there's been testimony where she said she didn't look at it that closely in the office that day. And I and I mentioned this yesterday. I've mentioned this a couple of times. Yes, you see a note that says the thoughts won't stop. Help me. OK. And she didn't bring her, her son home from school. You have to remember going back in their mind up until this point. They've never been to call to school for their kid. He's never been in any problems. He's never had any problems of violence. And the night before, he got into an argument with his parents about his geometry homework. And they said, listen, if you don't get your grades up, we're going to take away your, your shooting range privileges. So they go to school the next day, and, and they think this – I mean, she, she appeared in the office you know, in, in the meeting. I mean, she, she was angry with her son. And she didn't look at that and think – you know, she did say, I was concerned when I saw that. Now, the school, um, you know, he didn't want to come home. And the school said, you know, listen, you know, we don't think he's a safety risk. We think it's better off if he stays here and he's with his peers. And, and yeah. you know, her interpretation is, listen, you know, I relied on the school to, 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 to tell me that. And someone says, well, you're the parent. You should know better. You should have brought him we'll home. I mean, it depends we'll see on if how the, the jurors do. don't, you know, how they, what their interpretation is going to be, because they're going to internalize right. that reaction and say, good God, if. If I saw that, I would have been immediately, like her, concerned for my son, and my next words would have been, dear God, where's the gun? Right. Right, 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 right. No, I I, I understand that, and, and I think, you know, we'll see how the jurors uh, interpret all that, but, and you have to, I keep playing devil's advocate here, because there's always two sides. No, I understand. Remember, up until, up until this point, we have heard almost nothing except the prosecution side, and we're finally getting... Um, a little more context from the defense. These parents have said, listen, you know, we did not see the red flags that the prosecution is claiming. And by the way, all the stuff that was going on at school, we were never informed. No one ever called us. Right. Um, so at most what they have is a quirky, odd kid 
who who uh, is anxious at home. This is their version of events. Okay, so you know you can believe them or not. Um, you know the hallucinations that was joking and messing around. Okay, fine. But yes, that that note I've I've always felt that 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 note is going to be uh, one of the key issues uh, in this case. You know, and do they believe her? Still, however, I mean, let's you know, will we have an emotional verdict? We might. You know, um, I I don't know, yeah. but. Uh, it's, it, you know, everybody at that school, no one, no one thought he was a threat, not his parents, not the school officials, not the assistant principal who ran into him in the hallway and said, what, it's him? It can't be him. Right. So it's, it's, it's really, uh, it's, uh, you know. Yep. Well, Teresa Baldas, uh, Teresa, thank you so much for being here, reporter for the sure. Detroit Free Press. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here this morning. Thanks for having me. Take Thank care. you. And all yep. the latest news headlines coming your way next on JR Morning.